All right, well, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. So glad that you are joining us online today. I'm going to be honest, this has got to be the most unique Easter experience that I have ever been a part of. Honestly, it's probably the same for you and for your family. We're just so glad that you've taken some time today to join us online, wherever you are, whether you're in Charlottesville, Central Virginia, wherever you are joining us. In fact, wherever you are right now, just just pop in, say hi, check in, let us know that you're here. Our online hosts are there to connect with you, answer any questions you might have, pray for you uh, if you need that. And listen, if you're new with us, if this is the, the first time you've ever connected with us at Skyline Church, we're just so glad that you are here. In fact, there's a little button there that says new here, uh, and you can go ahead and click that. Uh, we would love to connect with you, send you a little gift uh, just for being here with us today. My name is is Jeff Nicoletti. I'm the, the lead pastor of Skyline Church, and it's just our, our greatest honor that you're you're joining us today. In fact, can we do something right now? Uh, some, something wherever you are, no matter where you are, just just stand to your feet right now for, for the reading of God's word. We're going to jump into to Mark chapter 16. You can follow along. Here's what it says. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and, and Salome brought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in, in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. So you, you can look, but don't stay long. You, you could check it out, but, but you can't stay here. Jesus is not in this place of death any longer. He said, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And I wonder what maybe you're running from today because sometimes when life disappoints our expectations, we actually find ourselves hiding from the very places where we came looking for Jesus. And on that note right there, Mark's gospel ends. It's this anticlimactic ending. It's, it's not how I would write it. It's not how many of us would write it. It's not how we would imagine that playing out. And, and listen, here, here's what I want to tell you this Easter. In fact, you, you, can, you can do it for me. So whoever you're with right now, whoever you're at home with, wherever you are watching, I want you to, to turn to them right now and just say this. Say, it can't end like this. Okay, now wherever you are, sit back down in your home, whoever you're with. Have you, have you ever wanted a different ending for a movie than what you got? Like, I, I'm wondering if you've ever, have you ever been watching a movie or maybe a, a TV show for, for that matter, and you get to the end and you think, no, that, like, that's not it. Um, and, and I normally have a general rule when it comes to movies and talking about them uh, in, in a message. If a movie is 10 years old, then it's free game. 
Because if it's 10 years old and you haven't already seen it, then I'm not spoiling anything for you. Listen, I don't want to spoil movies for you. I don't want to be that guy. For instance, I remember the, the very first time I watched Braveheart. I was a teenager. Uh, and I was watching it on TV. And, you know, I, I'm there the whole time. And I, I'm rooting for William Wallace and this, and this uprising. And there's a movement of people. And they're, they're fighting back against tyranny. And I'm, I'm into it. It's a three-hour movie on TV. It was even longer than that. So I'm invested. And I'm watching. And all this is going on. And, and, and my dad walks into the room and says, hey, something to the effect of, you know, the scene where they execute him is coming up. Now, Right up until that moment, I was not aware of the ending of the movie. So generally speaking, I don't like to ruin the end for people. I don't like to ruin movies for people. But one of my favorite movies of all time is now 10 years old. So I, I'm allowed to use it for our purposes today. And it's a, it's a movie called Inception. Now, this, there's so many things that I love about this movie, and I don't have time to get into any of it and, and really tell you all about it. And if you haven't seen it already, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know why you haven't seen it yet. You need to go ahead and do it. But essentially, the idea of the movie is that people are able to step into each other's dreams and, if necessary, steal information from people's minds. Because in the movie, it's hard to tell the difference between what's a dream and what's a reality. You're supposed to carry with you something called a token. And it's supposed to help you determine whether or not you're in the middle of a dream or whether you're in reality. Something unique that only you would know what it is. And so if you find yourself unsure if you're in a, mo if you're in a dream or if you're in reality, you use it to help you decipher where you are. And so the main character of the movie who's actually not trying to steal information. He's trying to plant information into someone's mind, has a little spin top. You know, you like you had as a kid, you'd, you'd put it on the table and you'd spin it and it would, it would spin around. And, and when he's in a dream, the, the, the top just spins continuously. It never falls over. But when he's in reality and he spins it, it, it does what a top normally does. It spins for a little while and then gravity causes it to to fall over. And so he goes on this adventure throughout the movie in between reality and dreams, all the while fighting to, to see his kids again. You know, every good movie has a, has a subplot for you to follow. And you get to the very end of the movie, and he's completed his mission, and he finds himself reunited with his kids, which he never thought would be possible. He never thought that he'd see this day. And he has a moment of, wait a minute, is, is this reality or is this a dream? And so he takes out his top that he's been carrying all, all movie, and he puts it down on the table, and, and he spins it. And in that moment, the, the camera pans in and zooms in on his top that's spinning beautifully on the table for what seems like entirely too long. And you're watching, and you're watching, and the, and the music is building, and, 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 the, and the top begins as it's spinning. It tilts ever so slightly as though it might just fall over and then... Blackout, end of movie, roll credits. And, and, and the first time I saw this, I was so enamored with this movie and the plot, and I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, and, and I'm invested in what's going on, and in anticipation of finding out that, that our hero made it through, and he got it done, and he's home with his kids, and it blacks out. And I remember thinking to myself, this, this movie can't end like this. It, it, it can't end with, without resolving. It can't end this way. 
Now, I know that most of you think that I've already forgotten about Mark chapter 16, and I haven't. Now, you, you have to understand that in our church, we've been in the middle of a series called Fierce Jesus. Now, I don't want that word fierce to confuse you and, and what, what, what we think about you. What, what that really means, what we've been finding out is that, is that Jesus, it just means that he's going to do whatever it takes. So if it takes flipping tables in a temple... If it takes spitting in a blind man's eyes so that he can see again, that, that's what Jesus will do. He, Jesus is willing to make a mess in order to get the message across. And so we've been kind of camped out in the book of Mark and really just kind of primarily in the very beginning of that gospel. But, but now on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, we've, we're jumping all the way to Mark chapter 16. And honestly, when you, when you read it, it's like an alternate ending. Because we don't see Jesus at all. There's, there's no appearance of the, of the risen Christ. and It's not like Matthew's gospel and, and Luke's gospel. But, but because there are four different gospels and four different stories written from four different perspectives for four different audiences. For, with, all with four different major themes but one main character. And when Mark gets to the end of his gospel, there's, there's no appearance of Jesus. There's an announcement. Now remember, faith is the, the substance of things hoped for and the, the evidence of things not seen. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so Mark's gospel ends in the most unsatisfactory way. Now, if you're, if you're reading along today in your own copy of the Bible or on, or on you version, you may see verses 9, 10, 11, 12 and and so on but but all of those were added on after the fact later in the in the second century by some scribes but this is the oldest transcripts of the Greek New Testament that we have has Mark ending at verse 8 it's it's almost like they got to the end of Mark's gospel and they're copying it and making more copies of his gospel and the editor got to verse 8 which we already read Mark chapter 16 verse 8 says trembling and bewildered the women went out and they fled from the tomb they said nothing to any. like the the editor gets to verse 8 and goes it can't end like this they're thinking to themselves that there's no way the gospel of Jesus ends this way. Like, come on, we got to get to the part where, where Jesus is appearing before his disciples and, and the road to Emmaus and the part where Jesus says, hey, I have all authority and all that authority has been given to verses like verse 20. Mark chapter 16, verse 20 says, then the disciples went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Like, that's the ending that we want where, where Jesus is, is triumphant and he professes his authority. But it ends in the original manuscript in, on a note of uncertainty. It, it just ends right there. And I think there's a temptation and there's a tendency for us to make faith something that it's not. Like, can I, can I just preach like we're real people? Today, like, 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 like we're honest, could, could it be that people outside of faith tend to get the wrong idea of the nature of faith and they think that faith is mainly just a matter of imagination? That, that people who have faith are great at, at suspending their disbelief and living in their own reality that doesn't actually exist. But I think faith isn't a matter of imagination, it's a matter of interpretation. What, what, what I mean is this, is that, that faith 
is not a denial of reality. It is actually a deeper reality than what I can just see. And that is what governs how I live my life. And that's the faith of Mark's gospel. It's always a demonstration. Jesus is always doing something. It's not always visible, but just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. I mean, isn't it a, a powerful and, and profound statement that the greatest demonstration of God's power was in a moment when Jesus wasn't even present? The, the, the greatest demonstration of God's power was his absence in the place where the women went looking for him. Like, it, it can't end like this. And sometimes our, our faith leaves us in a place of frustration. Because the atmosphere and the context of Mark chapter 16, it's, it's an atmosphere of frustration. And particularly for these, for these women that go to the tomb, they've brought their spices. It, do you remember Peter in the garden drew a sword? Like, because Peter had strength as long as he was in control of the outcome. But if you look at Sunday morning, this is now the third day that Jesus has been in the grave. And the women don't draw swords. They had a different kind of strength. They had the kind of quiet strength that would enable them, even in the midst of disappointment, to still go to the place where their dream died and still do the best they could with what they had. And notice who's missing. I mean, not only Jesus, right? Jesus was supposed to be in the tomb and he isn't there. But where's Peter? Where, where's Peter waving his sword and talking really loudly? Have, have you ever noticed that sometimes the loudest people aren't the most loyal? That, that sometimes the people who are the loudest in your life might not always be there? Like, where, where's Peter? In all of this, and, and I imagine the women in this story, in this in Mark chapter sixteen, are trying to figure that out because there should have been some of the disciples there to help them roll the stone away. Because we read in in verse four that we we get a detail that the stone in front of the tomb was very large, so it's not like you know a little a little thing that they're going to move. They, they've got a very large stone that they've got to move, and I imagine them them walking to the tomb and they're, they're looking at one another like, well, I can't move it. You can't move it. Why didn't you get Peter here? Why didn't you get any of the disciples here? What are we supposed to do? And I think in the middle of that, there's, there's almost an indictment on, on the disciples. Like on, on the 11. And you're thinking, aren't there 12? There were 12, but Judas is gone. And so the, these 11 and, 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 and Peter... Peter, who's going to preach 50 days after this at Pentecost, is so disappointed that he can't even show his face. Or maybe he doesn't want to go out into the darkness because of having to face a greater disappointment. Because I would say the, the greater your faith, the deeper the disappointment. Because when, when you really believe in something... And, and in, in all reality, that's why some of you don't expect much out of life anymore because it's your defense mechanism against disappointment. You don't venture out because if you don't, you don't have to be vulnerable. And you won't have to be disappointed, but hope is very vulnerable. Faith is, is extremely fragile. It puts you in a place where you are actually believing and expecting something. 
And so I imagine as Peter stood there counting the cost of discipleship, standing under the cross, maybe it shot through his central nervous system that this is the end. And so he's not with the women that day. Neither is James. Neither is John for that matter. None of the disciples, there are plenty of people that could have been there with them, but, but they're not. And so the, the women have their, their spices, and, and on their way, they realize, hey, wait a minute, when we get there, we're not going to be able to do what we need to do to do what we came here to do. Because we have the spices for, for the body, but we don't have the strength to move the stone. Have, have you ever felt like there's something in your way? Now, it, it could be depression, it could be addiction, it could be your genetics, it could be your history, it could be your mental conditioning. But have you ever felt like there's something in your way and no matter how high or, or how great your faith rises to, there's, there's, some, there's a stone in your way. And I love what the Bible says because the, the women were walking and, and they're worried. You can't do it, and I can't do it. Mary, you should have called so, you should have gotten so-and-so. And don't, don't you tell me what I should have done. You, but instead of, in that moment, them resenting who was not there with them, they ask a question. Who's going to roll this stone away? And I've got good gospel news for you this Easter. God is already working on what you're worried about. He... He's already got your miracle in motion if you're willing to take steps in faith. Because the Bible says that, that they got there, that not only was the stone rolled away, but there's a young man. Now, most theologians believe because of what is confirmed in the accounts of the other synoptic gospels that this was an angel who had not only rolled the stone away, but now he's sitting on top of it. Now... The, the reason he's sitting on top of it, the, the, this angel is not tired. He knows how to work. This angel came down, rolled it, sat down. And the reason he's sitting is because in Jewish custom, when a teacher was getting ready to teach, they sat in a, in a seat of authority. And so the message he brings is this. It says, what you thought you couldn't get through, I'm already over. What, what you thought you couldn't do has already been done, and all power and all authority belong to Jesus. And I believe stones still roll. I believe that Jesus is already working on what you are worried about. And we, I think we sometimes don't understand what's taking place while we're walking. While we're walking in, in the middle of everything. Now, Matthew in his gospel gives us a detail that Mark chose to admit. He, Matthew tells us that at some point in, in the early morning between the hours of 3 and 6 a.m. in the darkness of despair and doubt and disappointment and their great frustration. As they're walking, God is already working. Look, look at the second verse of the last chapter of Matthew. We don't get this in Mark. Matthew chapter 28 verse 2. It says, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. The angel was already on the way while the women were walking to the tomb. So whatever it is that has you worried, whatever it is that, whatever it is that has you stressed or up at night, listen, do not stress about it. And whatever you do, don't turn around and go home. Because while you're worrying, God is working. 
Jesus does some of his best work in the dark. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not in progress because it can't end like this. You, you really think that God would let these women get all the way to the tomb and let a stone stand in their way? Because God says, hey, when you do what you're able to do, I will do what you can't. I will help get you to places where you could not get on your own. Help is on the way. It's already here. It's the message of Easter. Because it can't end this way. It can't end in frustration. It also can't end in failure. It, 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 it can't end like this. Listen, when, when you know the director, you have a pretty good sense of how the movie and how the story is going to play out. I mean, come on. When, when, when you know the one making the movie... You have an inside track as to how this is going to end. So, so when Jesus sat down with Peter and said, hey, Peter, you're going to fail. You're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. By the time the rooster crows, but hey, don't worry about it, Peter. I've got a job for you down on the other side of failure. So when the angel passes a message and says, hey, Jesus is going to meet you in Galilee. It was more than a geographical arrangement. It was a statement of mission. Some of you will remember that, that the Galilee was the place where Jesus did most of his miracles. It's the place where he first called Peter. It was the Sea of Galilee that, that Peter was on taking Jesus around to help him preach and teach and heal. So when the angel said, hey, your story's not going to end here. Turn around, go tell the disciples that I'm going to meet them in Galilee. In effect, what he's telling them is this, is that this does not end in the grave because there's something more I'm going to do. Meet me in Galilee. And by the way, that's, that's good news all on its own for you to know that Jesus is not through with you. For you to know that, listen, if the devil could have killed you, he would have done so by now. For you to know that the testimony of your purpose is the very fact of your survival. The fact that you are still here is a testimony to what Jesus wants to do in your life. Now, there's two really important words in this verse. In verse 7, Mark chapter 16, verse 7, the angel says this. It says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. The angel says, go, go get all of his disciples and Peter. And, that, and that, that hits like a ton of bricks dropping down because the one who disappointed Jesus the most deeply is the one that he sing, singled out by name for redemption. And it gives me hope that maybe my name could go there too. Uh, I'm going back to Galilee because my story cannot end at the grave. Go tell Peter to start practicing. Well, start practicing what? He's got to start practicing his preaching. Tell him to get all of his fishing out of his system because I'm going to need him in 50 days. I'm going to need him at Pentecost. And when the Spirit comes, I, I, I want the one who failed the greatest to be the trophy of my triumph and transformation. And I think there's, there's some of us watching today, you're standing over the grave of your own failure, not, not realizing that resurrection is the expectation that allows you to experience life not through the lens of your failure, but through the lens of grace. And listen, that's a, that's a beautiful truth for Peter. 
But until it becomes personal for you, you will stay stuck in what Jesus has already called you out of. Because it, it can't end like this. I know that my story cannot end in failure because God has already promised me his grace. And Peter. It's almost as if like, like P.S. Make sure you, you tell Peter. To tell, tell the one who, who failed the most. He's forgiven and restored and redeemed. I'll see you in Galilee. Failure is not the end. It's, it's a hinge. It's the hinge on which the doors of, of God's grace swing open for you to experience forgiveness at, at a greater level. Like, don't you see it, Peter? Don't, don't you see that I'm calling you by name? And the, and the women respond in a, in, a, in a surprising way. Now, I, 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 I don't totally understand it. Like, I get that they were disappointed when Jesus dies, but I never quite understand why they are surprised. Jesus tried, to, he told them three times that I'm going to die, that, the, that they're going to mock me, they're going to scourge me, they're, they're going to spit on me, but on the third day, it's like a little ellipses, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I, I, I'm beginning to view resurrection differently. I, I used to think that, that resurrection was God's exclamation point. Like, it's finished. Boom. He is risen. Boom. But, but now I see it differently. I, I, see it, I see it as like the ellipses of heaven. Like, hey, resurrection. There's more coming. Resurrection, there's, there's more coming. Uh, to see whether or not your story is going to end here in your fear. Because that's the final note of Mark's gospel is fear. They were afraid. Such a strange note to end on. Such a, such a crazy way to end your gospel. And maybe there was another manuscript and it got lost. That's a theory. Or maybe verse 9 is up to us. Maybe, maybe fear is not the end. Maybe it's an invitation. And in Mark's, because in Mark's gospel, when he talks about fear, there's normally something coming after it. There's, in Mark's gospel, there's a pattern that begins to emerge. So in Mark chapter 5, there's a woman who has an issue with blood. She has internal bleeding and, and says that no one could make her better. In fact, the Bible says that she spent everything that she had. And instead of getting better, she only got worse. So she, she shoved more stuff into her life, she, but she got busier and broker. And, and she spent more time trying to be liked, but felt more lonely. And so then she comes up and, and she touches Jesus as he's coming by. And there's a huge crowd and everyone wants to know who did that. And they couldn't tell who it was, but she, she knew it was her. And so the Bible says that trembling she fell over face down before Jesus in fear. But that's not the end of her story because Mark says that when fear shows up, something follows. Fear is not the end. In fact, it's a new beginning. And after her fear, Jesus looks at her and says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. Fear is not the end. Fear is just the beginning. And right after this, there's a man named Jairus 
whose little daughter had died while Jesus was on his way to heal her. And so the crowd says, Jesus, don't bother. She's already dead. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. She's just asleep. Don't be afraid, Jairus, because when I get there, something's going to happen. I'm going to overturn and overrule the verdict of earthly principles. She's going to get up. And that little girl did get up because fear is not the end. One night, the disciples were on a boat in a great storm, and it's windy, and they think for certain this is it. This is the time we're going down. Now listen, you cannot die here because there's something left for you to do and the Bible says that they were greatly afraid but fear is not the end the moment that they feel fear Jesus speaks the word peace be still and I think that Jesus wants to speak the same thing into your fear today peace be still no matter what you're facing no matter what's coming at you no matter where you are in the middle of your fear Jesus stands up and says peace be still because fear is not the end it can't end like this because God's got more meet me in Galilee now the the stone is already rolled God has already done what the law was powerless to do. I know you're weak, I, I know you're frustrated, but frustration is not the end. Frustration is just the, the hinge on which the door of surrender swings wide open. Uh, uh, Jesus, I need you to do for me what I can't do for, for myself. Because in the end, your, your failure is not the end. Jesus, listen, Jesus is going to use the one who knows their need for grace to show others what he's capable of. It, it can't end like this. Your, your story is not going to end at the grave. You're, you're needed in Galilee. You're needed for more. You're needed for your purpose. There's more for you to do. It cannot end like this, and it can't end in fear. Can you imagine? What if those women had stayed silent? Now, we know that they didn't. So we read the Gospels, and, and we know what happened. They went and told the disciples, and we know from that account that the disciples' first instinct was fear. And I would argue that the starting point of faith is always fear. Because it's scary to step out and trust Jesus. It's always risky to, to make yourself vulnerable. What if, what if I come to Jesus and what if it doesn't work? What, what if it ends on a cross? Listen to me, even if it ends on a cross, it doesn't end on a cross. <laughs> This is your third day. This is your resurrection moment. In fact, right now, wherever you are, stand up. Wherever you are, in your home, whoever you're with, stand to your feet. Here's what I want you to do. Stand up, bow your heads, close your eyes, open your heart. This is a resurrection moment for somebody. Let's honor this moment right now. 
Jesus is calling some of us out of our graves today. Now listen to me. Our graves look like shame. Our graves look like religion. Our graves look like us trying to roll a heavy weight and a heavy stone that we've never been able to do. But right now, in this moment, the stone has already been rolled away. It's already been paid for. The end game of Jesus is grace. Jesus has brought you to this moment right now to receive his grace. And right now is my privilege to pray with you for every Peter, for every Mary, for every person in a season of disappointment and you're realizing right now in this moment your need for Jesus. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer. And it's for all of those, those of us that need to experience the salvation and the person and the power of Jesus. So in a moment, listen to me, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, I've got good news for you, you'll be saved. Even if you've got to do it with your hands shaking, even if you're unsure what the outcome is going to look like, even if you're staring at a stone in your life and situation, chains that you can't break, it's already been done. Even if you feel like you've wasted time, Jesus can redeem what's left and turn every mistake into a miracle but it begins with faith because it's, it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's not of us. It's not by my work so that none of us could ever boast. It's a gift. It starts with admitting that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. So right now, here's what I want to do right now. If you are ready to come to Jesus, we're going to pray a prayer together. No matter where you are, I want every single person watching. I don't care where you are, who's around you. I want every single person watching right now to pray out loud for the benefit of those coming to Jesus for the first time or coming back to Jesus again. So with our heads bowed, eyes closed, if you'll pray this prayer with me in faith, Jesus is going to hear you from heaven, forgive your sins, give you a new heart. Here we go. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you, a sinner in need of a Savior. And I thank you today for your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe he died to forgive my sin and rose again to bring me life. I receive this new life. Make me a new creation. This is my new beginning. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Now listen to me, if you just prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time ever, or maybe for the first time in a long time, listen, if you prayed that prayer, church, no matter where you are, let's celebrate and thank Jesus for his resurrection power. Let's thank him for his blood. Let's thank him for his grace. Let's thank him for his victory. Let's thank him for his triumph. Let's thank him for canceling the sin that stood against me. Let's thank him for rolling the stone away. Come on right now, wherever you are, give Jesus.
are worthy. Now listen to me, here's what I want you to do. If you just prayed that prayer, you, you prayed it in faith, believing in your heart, listen to me, you're a new creation, new life in Jesus. And here's what I want you to do right now. The worst thing you could do is to be inspired to make change and then do nothing about it. So right now where you are watching, there's a little tab that you can click and say, hey, I, I stepped into a relationship with Jesus today. I accepted Jesus. Click that button right now wherever you are. We want to know. We want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. We want to make sure that we follow up and journey with you on this new journey of faith. I'm so thankful for you stepping out in faith today and making the decision to surrender your life to Jesus on this Easter Sunday. We're so excited. We want to make sure that we connect with you. Now here's what we're going to do right now. We're getting ready to close our time together. Something that we do every single week, we have an opportunity to, to worship with our giving. Now. If you're new with us, this is your first time with us, you're just checking us out, listen to me, I want you to hear me. We do not want anything from you. In fact, we really just hope that this online Easter experience has been our gift to you. But if you call Skyline Church your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. Now, I know many of us are used to meeting and giving in person, but right now there's two really simple ways that you can give here. You can give online through our app. In fact, there's a button right now that you can hit to give. Or you can just give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompt. Now, I just want to let you know in this season, we have designated a way for you to give for our COVID-19 response. We've been buying out food trucks, giving away meals to people who are in need, doing donut drops to all the clinics here in Charlottesville to love up on our frontline heroes who are caring for us. Listen to me, church, when you are generous, the church is able to be generous. So in this season, I want to encourage you, don't stop being generous, but continue to be generous. Because as you do, we're able to buy out food trucks. We're able to provide more meals. We're able to care for more people. We're able to help pay bills. We're able to meet needs in our city with what we're all walking through. So I just want to encourage you to do that today, to be generous with Jesus and his house and the movement of his kingdom that we get to be a part of each and every day. Now listen, I want to invite you back. Just mark your calendar next Sunday. Join us online, 11 a.m. We'll be live here with you. Have a chance to worship. Have a chance to get into his word. We've got online virtual small groups that you can connect with if you haven't already done that hit the groups tab sign up listen you may have to be socially distant but you do not have to isolate we may not physically be able to be here but don't disconnect spiritually from Jesus and his church we've got amazing ways for you to stay connected I hope and pray that you will now here's what I want to do I want to we do this every week I want to end our time with a blessing so wherever you are, hopefully you're still on your feet. You can just slip your hands out like this. Just receive this. 
This is a blessing for you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that in this season of uncertainty, in this season where we're unsure what's taking place, in this season where we're where we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. In Jesus, on this Resurrection Sunday, we place our faith, we place our hope, we place our confidence in you, and I pray that you will cause your presence to go before us, that you cause your presence to go behind us, you cause your presence to be within us, that you would surround us, protect us, and cause your good face to shine upon us until we gather together again in Jesus' name. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. We love you.